Welcome to the Brighton Adventure Story Podcast. Chapter 8. Rat Snacks The children listened intently while Lord Ratzenberg told them what he knew about the Long Man's operation in Brighton. It turned out that he and a gang of helpers had been breaking into empty businesses, some of them the same ones that the rats had been foraging in. If the children could expose the break-ins, then it might be enough to drive the long man away. We've only got a few days till we run out of food, Lord Ratzenberg said. After that, we'll be forced to go topside, then I'll be dead. The voluminous rat looked again with disappointment at Zen and Bobby. I do wish you caught that dog, he sighed. I had to skip my second breakfast today. Teddy, Jenny said with a twang of guilt, we must go and find him. Hold on, James said. Let me try something. Rats, you might want to cover your ears. You do what you have to do, Lord Ratzenberg said, heaving his great weight off the post. I'm going back into town. I'll relieve Zen and his cousin of their duties here, and I'll post them by the tower in Preston Park, in case you need to find them. The rat waddled back into his town, wooden planks creaking with each laboured step. James rummaged in his bag, and pulled out a small silver whistle. He put it to his lips and blew hard. It didn't make a sound, well, not one that Jenny could hear, but both Zen and Bobby shrieked wildly and folded their ears closed with their clawed hands. Stop! Bobby cried. Stop it! James stopped blowing. Jenny heard a whine. It sounded close, and it wasn't coming from either of the rats. She looked over the side of the walkway, and saw, on a hidden ledge just above the water, Teddy. He was tied up and shivering anxiously. She turned to the two rats with a dark look on her face. We didn't know it was your dog, Bobby said. We tied it up to stop it from getting lost. Yes, Zen agreed. We didn't want his lordship to eat it. Both rats looked sheepishly at their feet. Get him back up here right now, Jenny ordered. They did as she asked, and soon Teddy was up on the walkway, looking nervously at the rats. Jenny gave him a dog treat, a thin strip of dried beef, which he chewed spiritedly. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, Jenny said to the rats, and imagine that you were just about to tell me about Teddy once Lord Ratzenberg left us. Oh, truly we were, Zen said. We just had to wait until the right moment. Jenny was not convinced but she was so relieved to have found the dog in one piece that she didn't press them. "'Are you sure you need all of it?' Bobby asked hopefully. "'You don't think that we could have one leg between us?' "'No,' said Jenny. "'We've got to get home. Come on, Teddy.' She tugged at his lead, but the frightened dog didn't budge. And no amount of pulling, calling, cajoling or bribing could get him to move. "'We'll have to carry him,' Jenny finally decided." Maybe he'll start walking when we're further away from Ratterston. If we're going to carry him, we should get topside as soon as possible, James said. He turned to Zen. The clock tower is close, isn't it? The main one in the town centre. Aye, we're right underneath it. The ladder's just over there. The rat gestured to a shadowy patch on the sewer wall a little further along the walkway. Then we'll go straight up, James said. I'm sure Teddy will be just fine once we get him up to street level. The children bade goodbye to the mercenaries. We'll come to Preston Park if we need you, Jenny said. 
and please say you won't try and eat any more dogs. Aye, we'll see you there, Zen said. Before you go, Bobby said, could you spare one of those meaty sticks? They smell delicious. Jenny sighed and gave each rat a dog treat. They gnawed them with enthusiasm while Jenny picked up Teddy and carried him to the ladder. There were three ladders in total, either cut into the bricks or set with rusted metal rungs to negotiate. The brick ones were the hardest, but between them, James and Jenny managed to get the dog up safely. After that, there was a flight of 23 steps that ended in a blank wall. Is there a hole for the squidakan key? Jenny asked, shining her torch into the corners. No, James said. It's completely smooth, not even a crack. Ah, I remember. At the top of the stairs was an iron torch holder. It was forged into the shape of a squidakan. James twisted it, and the blank wall swung inwards. They stepped out into an almost deserted street in the middle of town. Behind them was the clock tower. Two street people were huddled on the steps in front. One of them looked up as James swung the secret door closed. Jenny put Teddy down, then put a finger to her lips and made the shh sign. The street person nodded a solemn nod and then went back to their streety business without saying a word. Teddy was much happier to be back in the open air. Jenny gave him a good rub and another treat and they set off through town. For just before 11pm on a weeknight, it was eerily quiet. No other people or cars. Without the dog, the children would have looked very out of place. I want to look at something, James said. Let's go through the north lane. It won't take us any longer. While standing at a large intersection, Jenny could see all the way down West Street. It was one of Brighton's busiest night spots, filled with big pubs and clubs. And it was deserted. James led them down North Street and into the North Lane, an area off the High Street that was full of independent shops, boutiques and cafes. He paused when they were just around the corner. I thought so, he said, outside a closed skate shoe shop. This was one of the businesses that Max talked about, one of the break-ins, and look. He gestured to the neighbouring building. What? Jenny said, slightly impatient, wanting to get off the streets and back home. They walked on. It's right next door to a bank, James said. Lord Ratzenberg said that one of the buildings that the long man had rousted them from was the Quaker Meeting House, which is right in the middle of a load of jewellers. You think the long man is planning to rob banks and jewellers, Jenny said, pleased to be moving homewards again. I don't know, James said. We'll have to check all the places that we know he's been or that have been broken into. I think I want to speak to the king under the fort, Jenny said. He might know how we can get rid of the long man. James nodded his agreement. The pub at the end of the first lane was closed. There wasn't any need to check for cars before crossing the road. There were none in town at all. The bar in the next lane was closed, and all the pubs too. Jenny wished there were a few more people around so that they didn't stand out as the only humans in the whole town. She didn't want to get stopped by a concerned citizen, or the police, or worse. She kept a keen eye on the surrounding streets as they walked, which was probably why she noticed the two bikers appear at the end of the lane before James did. She pulled him into the darkened doorway of a desolate delicatessen. What is it? he said. Bikers, she said quietly, coming this way. She pulled Teddy tight into her legs. 
Ten seconds later, the bikers cruised by, unaware of the children in the doorway. They took a lazy right turn at the end of the lane. It's the droplifters, James said, stepping out from the doorway. I bet they're going to break into a shop nearby. We should follow them. Don't, Jenny said. We need to get home. Too late. He didn't hear, or didn't want to, and set off after the bikers, following them round the corner. Jenny stood, alone with Teddy, angry with James, and afraid that he might do something stupid. She forced herself to start walking back home. You idiot! she said with frustration after only one step. She turned round quickly and set off after her best friend. She reached the end of the lane just in time to see James take a left turn two streets up, out of the north lane proper. She ran, Teddy happily trotting along comfortably with her, enjoying the exercise. The street was narrow and lined with little houses on both sides. James was almost at the far end and the two bikers were nowhere to be seen. He paused and crossed the road between two cars. Jenny rushed down the pavement until she thought she was in the same place as James, then crossed over. There was no sign of him on the pavement ahead. She ran faster between two big wheelie bins. An arm shot out and grabbed her. She yelped before she could stop herself. Shh, James said, pulling her into the hidden space between the two bins. She had to crouch low to avoid the lips of the bin lids and the smell was a terrible mix of spilled alcohol, rotting food, and worse. "'What do you think you're doing?' she hissed. "'We need to get home. And this place stinks. It's worse than the sewers.' "'Look,' he said, calmly pointing out between the bins. There was a glass-fronted office building, diagonally across the street, on the other side of a small junction. It looked like it might have been derelict, even before the lockdown. "'What?' she said still annoyed at having to almost kneel in the filth. Teddy was still on the pavement, looking at them with a puzzled expression. She pulled him into the hiding spot. The droplifters went in there, he said, and then another one joined them. I think they might be having a meeting. I'm going to sneak inside and see what's going on. No, you're not, she said. You're going to walk home with me and Teddy and hope that neither of our parents have noticed we're gone. This might be our best chance of helping the rats, James said and I'll be fine. I know one of them. He's from Patcham. If anything goes wrong, I'll run. He stepped back onto the pavement, pulled his coat hood down over his forehead and his jumper up over his nose, like a mask. Only his eyes were visible. You can go home if you want. I'm going in. And, for the second time in five minutes, Jenny found herself cursing her best friend. Why was he such a hot-headed fool? She shuffled out from between the bins and watched James push open the glass door of the office building and stroll inside. She'd had enough. This time she really was going to go home. James could look after himself. The smell of the bins was awful, and she hoped it wasn't caught in her mask. She took one last look at the office building before setting off at a brisk pace in the opposite direction. Another dog walker appeared at the far end of the pavement. A tall man with a small dog. Jenny quickly crossed the road to avoid them. She was still preoccupied with being angry at James, and so almost didn't notice just how tall the man was. His head was bobbing along, way above the parked cars, in time with his long stride. His hat was easily level with the tops of the front doors of the houses. It was a black, broad-rimmed hat. Unusual. Jenny risked a glance across the road as she drew level. 
There were three tassels dangling from the back of the hat. She waited a few more steps and then quickly crossed back. The man was already ten front doors down, each stride taking him half a house further away. And his dog was not a dog at all. It was a lithe-bodied, weaselly thing, flowing along near the curb next to the man's feet. It was similar to the polecats, but not the same. Jenny stopped at the next front door and rummaged in her bag as if looking for her keys. She was unable to keep her eyes off the tall man loping along. It was the cowboy. She was sure of it. It must be. And, five long strides later, he ducked his head low and disappeared into the glass-fronted office building at the end of the street. (laughs) 